The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. All right, Revelation. How's everyone enjoying Revelation? Pretty amazing so far? Yeah, man, last week it was a great message. We talked about all the different visions that John was starting to see on the, while he was on the island of Patmos. And Steve talked about a lot of different things, the sevenfold spirit of God, which is kind of the perfect completeness of God. I think that was a really big point because I know a lot of us are thinking seven, seven, what's with all the sevens? But anyways, I thought it was a great message last week. This week, we're going to be on to Revelation chapter six. We're going to be starting in verse one. So if you've got your Bibles, let's open up to Revelation chapter six. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, it's a little bit of the WWE fan in me about this because of Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen, and we're talking about the Four Horsemen. Woo! Thank you. Somebody got it. Appreciate that. I thought I was going to be on an island there like John. Nobody's going to know what I'm talking about. All right. Revelation chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 1. As I watched the Lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll, then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come, I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow, and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, Come. Then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth, and there was war and slaughter everywhere. When the lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, Come, I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings say, A loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay, and don't waste the olive oil and wine. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, Come, I looked up and I saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. Thank you, Grant. Are you talking to me? You ever had that? Are you talking to me? If you are part of Cross Point Church, if Cross Point is your home church and you're, you're here, I'm talking to you today. If you're brand new, like really brand new, this first little two-minute deal here is really not, you can listen in for it, but I'm not really talking to you. Uh, but if you call Cross Point Church your home, if you've been paying attention to our financial update in the loop, it's at the bottom of that, of the loop in the program every week, you see we've been running uh, as a, a deficit and behind for the past five months. Now, all kinds of businesses and organizations in our country right now are facing that, and churches are, are not exempt from that for all kinds of reasons, the cost of gas, the cost of housing, cost of everything going up. One of the things we know, too, about churches when it comes to, to serving, to investing your time, your talent, and your treasure, attendance kind of goes like this on that curve, the other things like that involvement of really being fully bought in tend to take some time for that to catch up. So we're, we're at a place right now where we are concerned about this, but not panicked. The reason for that is we have some reserve funds over the years that we can bridge the gap with to make sure we don't just have to panic and freak out when these, uh, these ebbs and flows come. But 
we, we also can't keep going like this long term. We can't keep living off of savings indefinitely. Uh, and so if it doesn't turn around, we're going to have to make some difficult uh, decisions. What that means for us, for those of you who are part of Crosspoint, is some action steps for you. For some of you that are hearing this, you just need to hear, well done, way to go, keep going. You're already practicing what we call, what Rob's talking about, Pastor Rob's over there with our partners uh, class experience today, giving your first and best. We call giving it off the top, not off of the leftovers, giving your first and your best. So if you're doing that, way to go, thank you. You may not need to do anything else. You may be just, you're good. For some of us who could and should be doing more than what we're doing right now, and maybe you're never really heard about giving and finances, take the partners class. You can call me or talk to me about that. Maybe, too, you're brand new or newer to our church. You're just kind of waiting for the wake-up call to kind of really get in. Wake up. <laughs> this is the wake-up call today. Uh, we're at a place right now where if you've been waiting around for that or wondering how that's going to go on that, it's the wake-up call. And it's easy to think when a pastor or leader at a church gets up and says something like this, church our size, we're going to couple 200, sorry, 250 people here today, another 150-ish last night. It's easy to think, well, okay, yeah, 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 but somebody will do that. And, and you know who somebody is? We did this this week. We got with Invisible Ink and on your name tags today, you know what's printed there? Somebody. Because you know who somebody is? You. That somebody is you. Just to pay attention to this and see what we're doing. Now, I recognize that when we talk about church and spirituality and money, some of you are getting really, really nervous about this. My own wife said, tell me, if you do this kind of stuff, she's not even in here right now because it just makes her nervous. And I get it. It, can makes, it makes us nervous, makes us awkward. For some of us, we're triggered by it because we've had some difficult experiences when it comes to church and money uh, at different times in our lives. So if you're really troubled or triggered by this, we want to help you out with that. We don't tend to be a church that's always going to grind on you and keep cranking things out like that and one more financial, one campaign after another. Just kind of letting you know about that today. And if you have any questions or significant concerns about this, on the connection card that Grant told you about, jot me a note about that. I'll respond to you and get back to you this week on that. So that's that on that. Revelation chapter 6. Uh, there's a scroll that we're going to put up on the screen here. It's a picture of what it would have looked like. John said he saw a scroll. Probably looks something like that. Sealed up with seven seals. That's how they did documentation back then. In our day today, they probably wouldn't have said a scroll. It would have been some kind of encrypted document. And you know how that is when you have to go access to the, that code? You know what they do? You have to have a, a connection code, right? Or you sign up for something and they say, hey, I, we just sent you a text to the number you gave us and into that six-digit code. And now you can have access to see what's there. That's what John has uh, been, Jesus has the encryption code. He has the, the code for that to crack the seals. It's important to know what we're about to do here is that what John has done here in the book of Revelation, it really just means apocalypse, and all apocalypse means is the unveiling. The first unveiling that he did is to let us see Jesus for who Jesus really is. 
And now we're about to get to the crazy parts of Revelation that freak people out, make people give people bad dreams, or for some of you psychotic people that need counseling, you're all geeked out about this. All this crazy, bizarre stuff that's gonna go on in here. He's gonna unmask evil for what it is. He's gonna unfold the plans and purposes for the world. And in order to do that, he said, we gotta call out evil and expose evil for what it really is in our world. What we see here in Revelation 6 and really almost all of Revelation, it parallels and mirrors what Jesus talks about in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. And in Matthew 24, it's more like Jesus is like an investigative reporter and just giving us the facts, kind of like a podcast, this is gonna happen, then this, then this, then this. And what we have in Revelation 6 is, is like Quentin Tarantino decided to make a film version out of Matthew 6. Have you ever seen Quentin Tarantino movies? They're bloody, gross, crazy, violent imagery everywhere. That's about what we're seeing here, is he's got a film version of what Jesus talked about. Jesus now gives a Quentin Tarantino film version of it to John. John sees it and records it for us. Unmasking, unveiling the problems and evil in the world for what they really are. It's important to recognize too, that Revelation sometimes has been viewed by people as just prophecy about the very end times. Told you about this in the first week. There's a trail guide there, a, a QR code there that you can link onto. One of the key po- important perspectives to keep in mind so you don't get lost here and get ver- veering off into the ditch or wandering off the cliff in Revelation is that Revelation cannot mean for us what it could not have meant for them back in the first century. It can't, can't just be about something that was gonna happen in 2037 or 5037, however long this is going to go. It can't, it can't be something about that because Jesus wrote it to them at that point in time. He also tells us in Revelation chapter one, he tells John, you're gonna get these visions, write it down. It's about what will happen and about what is right now happening. So for us today, it's about certainly about the end of days and the end of times as these trials and difficult things escalate up and get worse and worse and worse. But it's also about these four horsemen of the apocalypse. They're thundering through our culture right now. They're thundering in your family. Some of you have them in your house, in, the, in your soul right now, these four horsemen. The first one, it's the white horse. You can write this down. It represents powerful counterfeit spirituality. This first horse is beautiful and majestic. And you're going to see in Revelation 19, you know the other place we see a white horse with a beautiful, majestic rider on it? Revelation 19, you know who it is? It's actually Jesus. But this first horse isn't Jesus. It looks like Jesus and feels like Jesus, but it's, it's not Jesus. It's counterfeit spirituality. Uh, In our culture today, we see this with various religions that will take significant truth about who Jesus is and take out, well, he's not really God. Or even if people say he's God, okay, he's my coach, but not my king. It's this idea, watch this, that you can have Jesus as your coach and consultant. You can have him as your savior, but not as your king. And it's the people that say, I want the kingdom but I don't want the king. I want him just to be consultant. I want a little Jesus juju juice in my life. Jesus talks about this. So what I want you to do here is 
is put something, keep something here in Revelation. We're going to go back and forth a few times. Find Matthew 24. Uh, it's if you get Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the first few books of what we call the New Testament. This is what Jesus talks about. And in Matthew 24, he says this. Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5, talking about this white horse. He says, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. Look at verses 23 to 25. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah. Or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. You know what he's telling you? There are things going on in this world that are not just going to deceive non-believers out there in the world into believing something false. They're, they're going to be so strong, they're going to deceive you into believing stupid, wrong, counterfeit spirituality about Jesus. And what is... So interesting about this, we see the black horse and the red horse and the pale horse and they're terrible and evil and destructive. This first horse is beautiful and awesome. Powerful. You know what it is? Jesus says it's destructive to you. It's just as destructive as war is and as as poverty is and as death is. Believing the wrong things about Jesus can make a mess out of your lives, but it feels so good and feels... So right now, you'll see there under each one of these uh, seals that crack open and these, these horsemen and stuff like that, we're going to see our response. I'm not going to give you the response right now. We're going to go quickly through them and describe them and then go back and look, okay, how do we respond back to these horsemen of the apocalypse? The second horse is the red horse. Back in Revelation, uh, it says it's the red horse. Represents war, it's bloody. Red blood represents war and conflict. Uh, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 24, uh, verse 6. He says, And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately, which means when you hear of a war and think, oh my God, this is what he talks about in Hezekiah 37 or Zechariah 15 or whatever it is. Relax, dude. Bad things are going to happen in the world. Nation will go to war against nation. Not just, like whole nations will go against each other. And kingdom against kingdom. Uh, he's, he's talking about that. Uh, in our day and age today, it's easy to think about us as, look how enlightened we are. Look how modern we are. Look how advanced we are. You know what we've gotten really advanced at doing? Killing people. When you look at in the last hundred years, the millions of people that we have devised amazing ways to kill people quickly, this red horse is thundering all over the place. And what happens with these horses is that they're so present in our world, I think we just sometimes get so used to them, don't see how horrifying they are. I had a chance to go to Rwanda several years ago in, in 19, you know, when 2008. And in 12 years before, in, in, like, in six months' time, a million people were killed in that country. What has happened in even the enlightened countries of the West, where thousands and thousands of people, enlightened people, believed crazy stuff and, and went everywhere. Um, 
It also though, tells us it's not just, it's easy to see that, war, that, that red horse of war and blood and conflict and see it there, it's obvious. I'm telling you, this horse sometimes goes covert and is smaller and it's not one big, huge horse. It's lots, thousands of little red horses and they ride right up into our lives. They ride up into our house. You'll, you'll see it there. Look at Revelation chapter six, verse four. Given a sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. This idea of, you've been paying attention the last two years, this red horse was just riding all over us in America with the division over things like vaccines and masks. This is a red horse just creating chaos and causing division out, out there everywhere. Conflict and rage in our culture right now are at epidemic levels. And it's just everywhere. We sometimes after a while just go, well, that's right. It's just, it's just the way it is. And that red horse is just thunders all over the place. Uh, I think we see it in our family. Some of us have this, have experienced this in our family. That red horse came in and divided mom and dad and created, took peace from the family. The epidemic of divorce, where we know any more. Okay, so one in two marriages ended. We just kind of know that now. It's like, does nobody go, whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody freaks out about that. And this is not shame on anybody today. This is not say you're a bad, terrible person. I'm just telling you, this is the red horse that's creating division and conflict everywhere. The black horse. The black horse is the horse of poverty. When it comes to money and life, uh, there's not going to be enough. And I want you to see this. I read this in some books, heard some guys talk about this. I'd never seen this before. But in Revelation chapter 6, Verse six, it says, and I heard a voice from a more the four, among the four living beings as this black horse is riding out say, a loaf of wheat, bread, or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay and don't waste the oil on the wine. You know what he's telling us there? This is poverty rations. It's, he's going to take a full day's pay just to get enough to barely feed you and your family. To, to barely have enough and he's going to tell us and don't touch the oil and the wine you know what that means luxury is going to be overflowing we're going to have plenty of oil and wine stuff we really don't need but it's just fun to have and we can see that in our world right like we live in the west where we have abundant luxury everywhere and people even what 80 to 100 miles south of us are scraping we can have an eight dollar cup of coffee that would feed a family for a week and this is not shame and guilt on anybody. I don't want this. He's describing the black horse of poverty. And I want to tell you today, too, that even in our world here today, in Temecula, Marietta, in this inland valley here, we have an abundance of stuff we really don't need that it's just fun to have and poverty rations on stuff that we really need. And the best illustration of that is that right there. It will give you an abundance of stuff that's just fun and exciting and oh, more and more. You don't really need any of it. You know what it gives you when it comes to what you really need? <laughs> Poverty rations. You're barely getting anything in there that's really helping you survive. Simple example of that. That's the black horse of poverty. The pale horse. Uh, some of you are about to say pale horse here in, in the New Living Translation, with the, the version we use, it says... Uh, it actually says whose color was pale green. The actual word there is 
yellow green. In my notes, I call it, watch out, I'm going to make you sick here, phlegm green. That's the idea here. It's like, oh, sick. It's like, oh, gross, disgusting. And nobody wears clothes like this or looks like this. It's just, ugh, it's gross, representing death. And the truth is about death, we in the West spend trillions of dollars on medication and on doctors and surgery. And you know what? <laughs> that green horse rides up and goes, nice try, pal. I know all kinds of people who have experienced death in our church recently. People in our, in our community, sometimes too, it rides up and you kind of can get ready for it. And we got, guys, in the, in the last six months, people that I know that the 37-year-old dude with a couple, three kids and just in health, healthy, good shape and all that stuff and just the horse rode up in there and he's gone? We... Over Matthew 24. Again, Matthew 24, 21 and 22. Jesus describes this, this situation. He says this, 24, 21 and 22. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will be never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be short for the sake of God's chosen ones. We have in our culture this green horse, this pale green horse of death. Certainly we can see it with just physical death, but I'm telling you, death is just everywhere in our culture. I had a guy several years ago in the church I started was really angry with me because we were talking about alcohol and some level of, you know, alcohol is not forbidden the Bible, but be careful with it. So he was angry for all kinds of reasons. I want to talk to you about it. So I came over to his house, angry about alcohol. We should take a hard stand against alcohol. His third grade son is playing uh, Halo. To me, going, what's wrong with third grade is playing Halo? But it's, it's a death game. It's about violently killing people. And again, it's just a mesh in our culture. We glorify death in our entertainment. Again, there's no shame in this. This is more just descriptive of here, here's the world going on, what's going on in the world. We, in our world right now where death is all over the place with anxiety and depression and and suicide? It just, I, it just, it's terrible what's going on there in our world with people of all ages struggling with that. For, for a moment here, we're going to tread in some stuff that's going to immediately cause you to cringe and go, I can't believe he's going to talk about this today. But on the issue of abortion is the green horse that has ridden up into our culture. And I don't want any big amens now, and that's right, that's not what we're saying this today. But to watch when the Supreme Court said that our Constitution doesn't outlaw abortion, it simply just says that it's not inherent as in an implicit or explicit right that's guaranteed. And then as we've, I've watched the news and seen what's happened as people have responded in a wide variety of areas, the only thing we're talking about that's it's so terrible is a woman's right to choose. And there is some things to pay attention to there for us. But nobody is talking about that little being's right to choose. And guys, this is not, this is not a political issue. 
This is not about politics today. Because I'm telling you, we, we could pass laws in this country. That would not solve the issue of passing laws. Paul makes it clear in Romans over and over again, the law will do nothing to save us. Because all the law does is just slap your hand and do that. That doesn't compel anybody. We need a heart change on this issue. And we don't need theologians and pastors to tell us that this is terrible and wrong. I'm telling you right now, godless, atheistic, scientists, doctors, even comedian specials I've seen here and there have talked about the idea, look, I'm, I'm the wrong guy to talk about a woman's right to choose here. As a dude, the wrong guy. Not the guy to talk about that. But he says, come on, we have to admit what's going on here. We're, we're, taking, we're ending a life. That's, that's what's happening. We have to at least... Be honest about that. And we know from science that at the earliest stage of that development, there's a heartbeat. At the earliest stages, that little being responds to pain in there. And to say we're just going to be cavalier about that, go, no, we have to write truth. And look, we could even make the case like from time to time, that might be a necessary thing that we might have to do in really horrifying circumstances. But today in America, it's more like, ah, whenever you want, just do it. And nobody's talking about, wait, wait, whoa, whoa. That's the green horse riding up now. Here's the deal today. For a moment here today, some of you right now are feeling like, oh God, there he goes again. This is like the Christians are going to go rant and rave and talk about how evil and terrible and we're going to hell because I've committed the uh, unpardonable sin. I'm a woman who years ago, a while ago, had an abortion. Or I'm a dude who put a woman in a place where she had no choice because I walked out or I forced that or I told her, unless you do, then I'm whatever. Some of us have been part of, of some things like that. Here's what you have to know today. There is no ability for yourself to make atonement for that sin. But you don't have to. Because the featured character of Revelation, in the midst of these horsemen and these green, the death that rides up in our life all the time, you know who the featured character is? It's not the horses, it's the lamb. The lamb who was slaughtered for your sin. It says, you don't have to make atonement. I made atonement for you. And when Jesus died on the cross, he knew what you would do in your life. All of the crazy nonsense, the stuff that we have done out there. So you need to hear today, hear this, because sadly, in our zeal, oftentimes in the Christian community, in our zeal to protect the rights of that unborn child, we have gone so far and being so fervent about that that we have demonized people who felt like they had no choice and have said, there's no atonement for you, there's no forgiveness for you, and that's just, that's as dangerous and evil as the other is. There's absolute atonement for every, everything that you've ever done. You may have some questions about that today. You may be struggling and oh, about that. Jot me a note about that on, our connect, on your connection card. I want to help you journey through with that. At the foot of the cross, there is no hierarchy of sins, of like the really bad sinners are here and the really average sinners are here and the good level at the foot of the cross. Everything, your materialistic, religious, self-righteousness, just as bad as the people doing all the evil, terrible things that you want to condemn them for. Now there's two more horses, two more, not even horses, there's two more seals that get broken here. There's not, not another horse that rides out when the, when the fifth and sixth seal get broken. But 
They, if something happens here in the world, I think what's different about them is like the four horsemen of the apocalypse are always present. They're always riding. They're thundering through our culture, thundering through our families. Again, it's the idea of you could seem like you're running from this horse and you can feel the hot breath of the coming after you. It's like hunting you down. They're relentless. They're everywhere. Sometimes they go covert. They're not quite as obvious. They go more digital and underground sometimes to get after us. These next two are not so much constantly and all the time coming for us, that they more come intermittently with a spike up and then spike back down and spike up. and come. So the next, the fifth one, I'll read it for you and then I'll give it to you and tell you what it is. Verse nine, chapter six. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long, mark that, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they've done to us? And then a, mark this next two words there, a white robe was for, uh, given to each of them and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were to be martyred, had joined them. The fifth horse is opposition and persecution for people of faith, for people who follow Jesus. The people living at this time, people who live, are, are living at this time are uh, under the reign in the Roman Empire of Nero and Domitian, who had these crazy things that they killed 40,000 Christians who were being Christians. And some, it wasn't like a, there's no right to a, a, against cruel and unusual punishment in the Roman Empire. In fact, in the Roman Empire, you know what their document said? Make sure the punishment is cruel and unusual. That's how we scare people into obeying us and that we, no, don't screw with us. And so this is happening. And these people, seeing this happening, can feel the pain of these people who have died and their souls are, again, not far off in a grave somewhere. It says they're right there under the altar. Now, again, I don't know what that means exactly. What that means is these people who have died because their faith in Jesus are not some distant thing. He says, you're right here with me. Right here with me. And they're saying in solidarity with people who are still living. How long, God? How long is this going to go on? It's what the Psalms write about us over and over again. Psalm 40 is one of the classic ones. How long, how long, how long is this evil going to go on? And Jesus' message to you today, if you're in a place of persecution or opposition, maybe you're in a place of just one of these other four horsemen, and you're wondering, how long is this poverty going to go on? How long is this unresolved relationship? How long, how long? Jesus' words to you today is a little longer. And I wish I would, his words would be, it's over right now. Just pray the word, pray the magic prayer, have faith, it'll be over now. Even with extreme faith and even with all your stuff being locked and loaded and dialed in, sometimes suffering and difficulty are just part of the deal. And what you need to know in this, it's the words of Psalm 23, that even when you walk through the valley of death, you need fear no evil. Not because there's not evil there, because he's with you. He's with you in those dark, deep, awful places. And then the sixth seal 
op uh, opens up. Verse 12, I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll and all the mountains and islands were moved from their places. This is number six. You'll see it here. Natural <laughs> disasters. They don't feel so natural. I mean, the sun being dark and the moon falling out of the sky, that's like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Jesus talks about it in Matthew 24, verse 7. At the end of verse 10, it says there'll be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. In verse 29, he says immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Pretty dramatic. We have these six seals opened up to unfold for us the evil. What's answering the question, what in the world is wrong with this world? Here we have it. Counterfeit spirituality, poverty, death, uh, war and conflict, persecution, opposition, and natural. Paul's going to tell us that even nature doesn't obey God. You think you got a problem. He says, the reason we have what happened in Florida this week, crazy hurricanes like that, massive earthquakes that kill sometimes thousands of people, even at the micro level, biology is in rebellion against God right now. Cancer cells don't work right. And again, we get so used to this. We hear the phrase all the time, well, everybody dies. Like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. But we're getting grown so, so used to it. And history tells us and Jesus tells us that things are not getting better. In fact, Jesus tells us, you can look it up later for yourself, Matthew 24, verse 6 and 7, he says this, all these things are like the beginning of labor pains. Now, women in here who've had labor pains, especially women in here who did the whole crazy thing that my mom did a couple times, like this whole natural childbirth thing where there was no drugs, no anything. Some, I'm not going to ask you who did or didn't do that. Some of you women are going, who'd be crazy enough to do that? But anyway, but women, you can ask this question. Are the beginning labor pains bad? Do they hurt? Yes, right? Are they anything close to how bad it is at the end? No, it's way worse at the end, right? Some of you women are laughing going, you crazy, silly bald man. You don't, <laughs> you don't even need to ask that question. Jesus is telling us that's how it's going to be. It's going to start off, it's, it's bad, and it's escalating and cycling down worse and worse and worse. And these horsemen of the apocalypse, these six seals, sometimes are overt. You can see them everywhere. And sometimes they're quietly, they break down and kind of spread apart. And this big red horse kind of just, pew, 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 it multiplies by the millions. It just rides through a culture into homes, into neighborhoods, into cities. Jesus is going to tell us after he describes all these difficult things that have happened, these six seals just talked about. I want you to make sure you open your Bibles to this to see it. This is a super, super important point that comes out of understanding end of the world kinds of discussions. Matthew 24, after he described all these disasters, all these terrible things that have happened that he told him about in this vision in John, in Revelation. He says, so, verse 42, so, which means therefore. Whenever there's a therefore there, you ask what's the therefore, therefore. He says, therefore, based on all these terrible things I've told you that are coming, that are happening right now, 
and will escalate up and cycle around and get worse and worse and worse. So he says, you too must keep watch. You know what we love to do with this? We hear stuff like this, we go, we must keep track. We want, we need to figure out the timeline. Let's, let's, okay, Israel came, I remember in my, when I was a kid growing up in church, Israel had come back together as a nation in the 40s, and all that means one generation is not going to pass away, so Jesus is going to come back in the 1989 or 93, all depending on how you define a generation, or predict the sequencing of, okay, it's going to ha- this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Now, there's nothing wrong with kind of do a deep dive and study and figure out how all these lines up, but if all we do is keep track of what's going to happen and we miss what keep watch is, Jesus said, you've missed the whole dang point. Because the whole point of Jesus, what he says in Matthew 24, the whole point of what he says to us in these visions of what we see in the book of Revelation is to inspire faithfulness to Jesus in the midst of overwhelming persecution and temptation. Whether that's the first century or the 21st century or the 51st century, depending how long it is, that's always going to be the point of Revelation. And then Jesus tells stories at the, in Matthew 24 and, and 25, he says it's going to be kind of like this. Like a dude's going to get married. And he tells his wedding party, go get the place ready. And he gives them lamps with oil in them to keep, the, keep everything going, keep it all lit up. He says, don't let, don't let the oil run out. Don't, don't get caught. Don't be apathetic. Don't get complacent and go, it's going to take a long time. Oh, it's like, because it's easy. With the end of the world, talk, oh, someday. Someday it feels like, someday. He said, he's coming back in a day or an hour. You are not going to expect to see him coming. So in the midst of all that, he says, keep watch. And here's how we keep watch. We deal with these, these six seals, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and then the fifth and sixth seal. And we respond to it by doing what Jesus calls us to do, be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And an important point here. You do not defeat these horsemen of the apocalypse by becoming one of them. You don't defeat rage and division with more of it. You don't defeat, well, let's go through and just look at them. The white horse, counterfeit spirituality. Here's our response to it. We're going to keep proclaiming and firmly anchoring ourselves to these two ideas, Christ alone and grace alone. Christ alone and grace alone. And, and, and we're going to proclaim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way to get back to God except through Jesus. And guys, as we proclaim that world out into our culture, be prepared for people to not like you for that, to maybe even hate you for that, and write you off as a self-righteous, judgmental, intolerant, bigot, whatever labels they're going to put on you. They're just going to do that. Jesus promised they would do that. But we need to stand true and stand faithful to that white heart, that counterfeit spirituality. It can't be Jesus is just all right with me, man. Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is my best friend. Jesus is my savior, and I can still sin and do whatever I want. Jesus promised they would hate us. Now, again, I want to tell you today, make sure they hate you because of Jesus, not because you're a jerk. (laughs) What this means is, don't miss this. It's important to know doctrine and know truth. It's 85,000 times more important that you live it out than you just know it. People should know what you believe by how you behave and how you live your life, not by some creed you cite onto or some you describe, you know, you can, like you can debate and argue and win an, an argument on the deity of Christ or the atonement or, or whatever those kind of things are. It's faith 
excuse me, it's Christ alone. And then it's grace alone. Crystal Perry sent me a quote this week by one of the greatest musicians and songwriters of all time in the band U2. His name is Bono. So you, shut up. I got, the, I got the mic right now. But he wrote about this a while back, and it's so good. He said it better than any pastor could say it. He says it this way. It'll be up here on the screen. He says, you see, at the center of all religions is the idea of karma. You know, what you put out comes back to you. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, or in physics, physical laws for every action is met by an equal or opposite one. It's clear to me that karma is at the very heart of the universe. I'm absolutely sure of it. And yet, along comes this idea called grace to upend all that as you sow, sow you'll reap stuff. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your action, which in my case is very good news indeed because I've done a lot of stupid stuff, but I'd be in big trouble if karma was going to be my final judge. I'd be in deep, naughty church words. Uh, naughty non-church words, sorry. Some of you, you all know what he says. He says, it doesn't excuse my mistakes, but I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins onto the cross because I know who I am and I hope I don't have to depend on my own religiosity. It's like grace is good news and Christ alone is good news for the world. How we wipe out that silly, dumb idea of, of false uh, religion or counterfeit spirituality. Uh, the next one is the red horse that wants to take peace on the earth and just wage war and conflict. We're going to wage peace. We're going to be aggressive about peace. We're going to do all we can to live at peace everywhere. We're going to do all we can to put fires out, not flame them up. I was talking to a lady in our small group. She's a significant person in the Temecula School District, pretty high up there. She's talking about the last two years, especially these public hearings on the school assembly and masks and vaccines and all that kind of thing. And she said it was so bizarre. She said, I... I sat there, I'm, she, I'm a Christian, and, and Christians would come in from a variety of churches all over a valley and talk about we're one nation under God and Jesus is the way and all this kind of stuff and then behave horribly and wage war out there in conflict and division. Let's not be those people. And here's how I'm going to do that. Look, look eyeballs on me right now. Look right at me. Take a big deep breath. You got nothing to prove, pal. You know where rage and anger comes from? I got something to prove. I got something to prove. Can I tell you right now? <laughs> Lower your expectations of yourself. You are not the most awesome person. You're not the most, you don't have the most awesome kids. You're not the most awesome wife, most awesome husband, most awesome player. You're not the most awesome Christian. And the good news about this is when you do that, you can go, oh, I don't have to be. Because he is. He's awesome. I can be, meh. <laughs> Free marriage advice for today? Lower your expectations of that fool you're married to. <laughs> you're going to be happier. You're just going to be happier. And if you're thrashing, I mean, if you have this in your spirit all the time, and there is little episodes of angry outbursts all the time, that's a chink engine light on your soul. Pay attention to that. 
You might need some counseling for that. You might need to go talk to our prayer team today, write something down on your connection card. Pay attention to that. That's a dangerous thing for your soul. That red horse has ridden up into your life and is kicking the snot out of you. The black horse, how we're going to do this is we're going to do generosity and hospitality. This means where people have needs, we're going to help them. We're going to help, but it's not just generosity with people who have physical needs. It's also hospitality. I wrote it this way in my notes. You may want to write this down. It's with the needy and with our neighbors. And look, remember again the whole idea of, the, of that black horse is there's an abundance of all kinds of stuff they really don't need, but poverty level rations of what I really need. Guys, our cities are filled with people who have an abundance of stuff they don't really need, but it's fun and exciting. And they just wish somebody knew what was going on in their heart and soul. They wish somebody in their neighborhood knew their name. They just wish they had a friend or two that was, didn't revolve around alcohol or softball, but just a friend. So what that means, that's hospitality. And hospitality is not party throwing. It's not Martha Stewart nonsense. It's throwing some hot dogs in the grill and inviting neighbors over. So we're going to assignment today is go meet your neighbors and invite them over here and there. Not some big thing, and not some bang, we're going to get the Bible out and share the gospel with them. Maybe that happens, you see. Just hospitality. The pale horse. The horse of death means we're going to pray believing. We're not going to have this oh well attitude about death and dying. We're going to pray believing that when God, when something bad happens to you, we're going to pray like this. It's the song by Casting Crowns. It says, I know you're able and I know you can. Save with your power and your mighty hand. And then it's, but even if you don't. My heart, my trust is in you alone. The, the way we're going to do this is we're going to stand for life. I think it's already up there, right? We're going to stand for life. You notice that stand is a dollar sign? It means we're not just going to mouth platitudes about being pro-life and choose life. We're going to get in there when it comes to suicide and depression and coming alongside single moms and places like, and be, be people that don't just kind of give them a little boost and kind of get them through something. We're going to come alongside and stay with people in that. That will take significant sacrifices of dollars and time and energy. And then in Revelation, the fifth and sixth seal, how we respond there, I'm going to tell you right now what it is. It's the same response to both of those. It's just hold on. What Jesus said, just hold on. And now here's the spoiler alert. You know when you watch like a Prime video or Netflix, especially if it's a series, at the end of it, all this stuff happens, and then what happens down in the corner? A little thing comes up, right? Like, hey, click here to watch the next episode. So I'm going to give you the spoiler alert on the next episode because all these crazy, cataclysmic, awful, terrifying things have happened. Revelation 6, verse 15. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, that's all the rich, powerful, celebrities, billionaires, trillionaires, and working class folks like us. Every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, and they cried to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of the wrath has come. And here's the question that comes up on the screen. Who is able to survive? And you know what the answer to that is? What you're thinking is? No one. No one can survive. The rich, the poor, and no, nobody can survive. And this is where chapter divisions in our Bibles are good and useful but the chapter divisions jack us up in a, in a bit because Jesus is going to answer that question for us. I'm going to give you the spoiler alert for next week's message. Who's able to survive? 
not who you think. You know who survives? You survive. We survive. You, you see it here in, in, in chapter 6 where it says those martyrs who've been killed, you know what kind of robes they're wearing? White robes. You know who wears white robes? Not the people in battle. It's not the people in battle. The people who the white robes are the ones who won the war. Because the victory parade, what you wear marching into the arena, go, we won. We kicked the snot out of that other country, that city, that whatever that is. It's, it's a sense of we don't just survive. We win. But come back next week to hear that. The band's coming up right now. We're going to give you a chance to respond to this. Some of you today need to respond to this by coming to get prayer from our prayer team in the back. Because for some of you, that, those horses we just talked about have ridden up into your life. They've ridden up in there and you need some help. Don't carry this burden alone. Come receive prayer for that. Put something on your connection card if you need some help with any of that. We're going to invite you to tables of communion where it's a piece of bread and some juice that symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus that was given for us. And here's why we're going to do this, especially in Revelation, because it's very easy in Revelation to get all preoccupied with the horses and the seals. Oh my gosh, all this kind of stuff. And Jesus is going to go, no, no. We're going to frequently come back to, don't forget, this is not the revelation of end times. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the central thing he did was he poured out his life for us on a cross to ultimately gain the victory, to put his heel on those evil terrible, terrifying horsemen and crush them and kill them and wipe them out forever. We're going to sing some songs today. I'm telling you, get ready to sing here these great songs about the holiness of God, the greatness of God. And we're going to sing a song called You Hold Me Now that's so perfect for this. Because it talks about the day is coming when all the horsemen are gone. All the evil is gone. But they're not gone right now. Right now what we need sometimes is God just says, I just need God to just, <laughs> like a great dad, hold me now. Because it's a little scary, weird, bizarre. <sighs> so Jesus, today, as we remember you, as we pray, we sing, I don't know what people need today, specifically. God, I am praying today right here, right now, that whatever your spirit wants to do and needs to do, that you persuade us, you convict us, you encourage, you rebuke us, and just do whatever it is you need to do. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.